0: let's do this the cult of hockey podcast by the fateful and for the fateful i'm david staples of the edmonton journal and i'm here today with Bruce mccurdy hey bruce
1: hey david how are you doing today
0: i'm doing good bruce it's a beautiful day here and uh, i was earlier today for the first time My my parents have been in care home in a care home mm-hmm. and for the first time today since october i was able to take them out like take my mom out for a walk uh, through oh, nice. the neighborhood in her chair so it's been a very nice. difficult time for everyone who have has loved ones in care and that includes lots of ki- people with children you know uh, in care but also mainly people with their their parents and that's coming to an end it's a miracle. We're all out and about, and uh, it's uh, it's fantastic.
1: It's also been a tough time for people who provide care. Oh, yeah. For their, their parents, especially, but uh, uh, in whatever. Uh, and, and that's kind of an unrelenting task, but I would have to think exponentially more difficult during uh, the times of COVID.
0: Oh, well, to be behind a mask and, a, and another yeah. mask, shield all day long, some people find that difficult. And uh, yeah, shout out to all the care workers—they have been fantastic through this whole thing—and you know the teachers as well. Um, There's been lots of people who have been going the extra mile, and uh, very much appreciated. Feel a little emotional.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's uh, emotional times for sure, and uh, and uh, with you, you know, shout out to you know folks like yourself who, who with their parents, you know, beyond reach really, and and. Any respects for a long period of time there. So it's uh, good that you get time at least to share it under a beautiful blue sky like today's.
0: Indeed. And uh, it's been good, Bruce, to have the distraction of the Edmonton Honours through this whole thing. So uh, here we go again Most with more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until,
1: until I've been kind of missing them the last week. I don't know about you.
0: Ah, totally. I've been missing them, Bruce. It it ended all too soon. It ended very soon. And of course we also saw Toronto go out. What did you think of that, Bruce? Uh, Just wait, before I get into that, I'm going to introduce our sub. Today we're going to talk about Mike Smith and Miko Koskin and keep hold or fold. But before I get in, we'll just have a little discussion about the Leafs. What, how did you, what did you think of the Leafs going out?
1: (sighs) Well, just uh, on the today's subject, we were talking about it. My wife and I had, um, on Tuesday, after we'd watched the game, the next day we were talking about it. And my simple question was, who are the two best goalies in Canada? Yeah. Uh, guess what? They're facing one another tonight in uh, Game 1 of the North Division Finals because both of them were absolutely central and essential to their team success in Round 1. Carey Price was fantastic mm-hmm. against Toronto. Connor Hellebuck was fantastic against Edmonton, and uh, they were difference-makers that uh, that turned the tide in the, in the favour of their team, you know, against the flow of play, I would argue, in both series.
0: Yeah, people wonder what's wrong with Toronto. I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot with Toronto. They wonder what's wrong with Mitch Murder and Austin Matthews. I saw those in the games I saw. They had all kinds of scoring chances. Mm-hmm. They were all around the net, and it was... It was Price's great goaltending, which we saw earlier in this year against the Oilers, and some bad puck luck. Two things that, that, you know, so I don't think that actually there was a lot wrong with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. I think they lost Muzzin and Tavares. Huge losses for that team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely critical losses at a critical moment of the season. Mm-hmm. And then in the biggest game of the year, their goalie led in a weak goal. Let's, and mm-hmm. that's often the difference in a big game Is one goal uh, that will break your back And Campbell didn't get that Should have had that shot um, in the sec- I think it was the second period The, the first the goal. goal
1: The Gallagher goal The Gallagher goal, goal. I yeah. mean he just, yeah, he right just right has it,
0: yeah. to You have to make that save Bruce. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this repeatedly At the call to mm-hmm. hockey How that bad goal in a game you, Often that's it There's no coming mm-hmm. back from it Like a really overwhelmingly good team Can come back from it You know, interestingly, Mike Smith, you could make an argument that Mike Smith in the regular season was the best goalie in Canada, Bruce, to get to our topic um, of the day, Mm -hmm. and um, he had the best save percentage this year, I believe, of all the Canadian goalies. Maybe uh, the backup goalie in Montreal um, had a better save percentage. Jake Jake Allen? Jake Allen of, of a goalie who played more than 20 games, but... Mike Smith had a pretty, uh, he had a historic season, probably one, the, the best or one of the best seasons a goalie his age, that age has ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's get into this subject, Bruce, by way of a comment from uh, Elliot Friedman, because it was quite clarifying, somewhat clarifying, because it's, 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 it, it, there was some speculation in there. But let's face it, he's a very credible source. And when he says something, I, my ears uh, really, really perk up. So let me see if I can find his. Uh, oh, great! I closed the file. Where we have uh, where we have his his comment. Anyway, he was asked, Bruce. He was asked about the Oilers' buyouts because, and at that point, everyone was assuming the Oilers were going to buy out James Neal, and right. they might not be buying out um, anybody else. And uh, but uh, what Friedman had to say was the following. Friedman also said it's possible the owners would buy out goalie Miko Koskinen, who, had, who has one year left on a deal that pays him $4.5 pi- million. And his quote is, I got to think it's Koskinen. It's possible he's the guy and maybe Neil. But the problem with Neil is he's on your cap for four years. I'm not as convinced about one. I think it's more likely to be Koskinen. So, um, you know, he's kind of hedging his bets there but uh you know i had i had been thinking until that moment that it's going to be james Neal, but could well be koskinen so let's um let's just follow along with the logic there if it is koskinen why do you mm-hmm. think they would be doing that what's your what do you think of them doing and why do you think they might be thinking that
1: well the difference between koskinen and neil besides that extra year is you can bury Neal somewhere in your lineup. Like, let's say the thinking is that the Oilers, uh, they don't want to spe- they don't want to buy out Neal this year and spend to the cap because they know next year they're facing a couple of uh, of um, uh, pay increases that are coming down the pike for uh, uh, certainly for uh, Darnell Nurse, and uh, they have. Um, uh drawing a blank here, but a player that, whose contract's expiring next year. Oh, Jesse Pooley-Arvey. Pooley Pooley yeah. who's, who's almost certain to get a raise.
0: Add Ethan Barrett.
1: And, Bear. If, they, and if, the, if they're saying, well, we need to keep sort of uh, 4 or $5 million in the bank so we can give those guys a raise next year and not put ourselves right back into cap hell, one way to keep that money in reserve is uh, just to keep James Neal for one more year and then buy him out in 2022. And uh, free up 3.8 million for that one season, and uh, that would at that point be remaining on his salary. But then they can use that 3.8 million to help pay for those uh, uh, to help pay for those raises. Now he's got. um, uh, Whereas Mikko Koskinen, uh, I mean, he's only got one year left, and a year from now theoretically his 4.5 million comes off the books. But where are you going to hide him? right? Are you going to, I mean, you can, I guess you can you can waive him and send him to the AHL and save a million and or whatever it is yeah. off of the, you know, salary cap. Um, but if you're going to keep him on your team, I mean, you've made this point often, you know, he may be your number two goalie, but any night that the guy's playing, he's the number one, essentially number one guy on your team. He's, a, you know, the one guy who's going to play 60 minutes. Uh, so, uh, if if you've lost confidence in the guy, and I would suggest at this point the Oilers are pretty close to losing confidence in Mikko Koskinen, and many Oilers fans, in fact, have lost confidence in Mikko Koskinen, that if they've reached that point, they're going to want to try and move on from him in one way or another, and and uh, buyout is one one way to uh, to achieve that.
0: Yeah, that is the the the, the main arg. There's a couple arguments in favor of moving, and and that's it. When your backup goalie's in, it's not like he's on the fourth line or the third pairing. Right. He's absolutely integral to whether you're going to win or lose that game. And this is all the more uh, an issue for the Edmonton Oilers because Mike Smith is, ha, has been injured. And he is older. And and there is a higher likelihood that he's going to be injured again next year. He missed time this year and what happened mm-hmm. with the Oilers. They... I think they had a three and six record when Koskinen was the starting goalie to start the year. He was a part of that. He was outplayed by the other team's goalie many nights. So it's like having your top D man just not up to snuff. You don't have that top D man. You don't have that top line center. It's crucial that you have a backup goalie um, who's close, who can who can get the job done. Like Allen did in Montreal this year when Carey Price was so weak in the in the regular season. Allen Allen carried them through. So, so there's. Yeah. There is there's that, Bruce. There's this and there's Smith. Here's the downside. And it's just the the wizardry of trying to project goalie performance. I think it's you know, I think it's one of the hardest things to do in hockey is to predict future goalie performance. So for instance, last summer, um we and, and I brought this up before, we had lots of people, including me, were were thinking, hey, that Aaron Dell looks like a good bet. Or, or Braden, some people thought Braden Holtby. Some people thought, hey, Matt Murray, move on him. Or, Yonis, Yonis Corpusalo. People would have been doing cartwheels if Yonis Corposalo had come from Columbus. Um, then there was all of those goalies. Every single one of them I mentioned just ha- had a worse save percentage than Mikko Koskinen this year, Koskinen at 899. There was goalies, another group of goalies who had marginally better save percentages than Koskinen this year. Jacob Markstrom, Antti Ranta. Uh, Alexander Georgiev James Reimer and the famous Darcy Kemper who had a 907 safe percentage Mm -hmm. which is okay but you know the Oilers would have had to give up heavy you know a first a lot to get Darcy Kemper they would have had a a major investment now maybe he would have done better in Edmonton. we don't know that but it's it's just fraught on a certain level Predicting how this is going to turn out. For all we know, Mikko Koskinen will return to the goalie that he was in 2019-20 and have a 9-17 save percentage, which was in the top half. Uh, you know, it was it was in the top half of the league, and he's he's suddenly he's earning that 4.5 million for next season. So right. there's that. You're weighing those things, those two things, which are. <laughs> This is not an easy decision, and it will be. It would, even if they get someone that we all agree in the moment is the right choice. He could have a year like Matt Murray had this year, or Braden Holtby, or or Aaron Dell. Let's say they right. trade for, um, let's say they sign Chris Dreger in free agency. They buy out Koskinen, they sign Chris Dreger, or they or they they uh, sign Peter Murazik, who is a UFA. Out of uh, Carolina. Or mm-hmm. they sign. Uh, Linus Olmark. Out of Buffalo. These are all goalies who had really strong. Save percentages this year. You know. Uh, Dreger was ahead of Mike Smith. And uh, Olmark. Mrazek was tied with Mike Smith. And Olmark just a little bit behind them. But who's to say those guys don't crash. To like a 905. Or an 899 save percentage next year. I just. Drieger. I don't have confidence about it. Do you. I don't, I don't know.
1: Dreger has a career nine twenty nine. Looks pretty enticing. Somebody's going to going to sign him and pay him, and it's not probably going to be Florida because they've uh, signed a million a year into Sergey Bobrovsky uh, for the for foreseeable future. But um, uh, you know, he's a good bet. But a good bet on goalies is uh, you know, it's a sixty or seventy percent bet. It's never a hundred percent bet that. That there's there's very few goalies that are that are truly consistent from one year to the next, and and you know even the very best goalies like Connor Hellebook, you know he took a little step back this year largely because he couldn't solve the Oilers until it mattered most. Um, not saying that he's available, but of, of the guys that are available, one of the reasons they're available is because they're they're maybe not as fully established as consistent high level goaltenders. So. And, I mean, even the bet the Oilers made that did pay off on Mike Smith, I mean, that was against the odds. There was an awful lot of people that were thinking that was just a, a, a poor bet. And then it turned out, yes, he did have the top save percentage of any Canadian division goalie who played more than 10 games at 9.23. Jack Campbell was at 9.21. And Laurent Brassois was at 9.18. You know, and then only then do you get into uh, uh, Hellebuck and then Way further down the page, Carey Price, who you know, what well, was his same percentage? He was at nine oh one.
0: Just a just a hair above Miko Koskinen, Bruce. Yeah,
1: like yeah, Carey Price.
0: Seriously, like it's just this is just it so. is it is. So they could go with Peter Morazic, right? They have Mijalkovic. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce his name in yep. Carolina. Who who had a wasn't he on waivers earlier this year?
1: he was they were putting him on waivers to me, david, this was this was the uh, analytics move of the of the year from Tampa, which i'll credit I'll credit analytics Carolina, just yeah. credits uh, yeah. smart management they He was their number three goalie, and they had to put him on waivers uh, if to to uh, uh, get him to the taxi squad because they had three skaters they wanted to keep as extra players. So they put him on waivers, uh, but they waited until another good goalie came down the pike, and they grabbed Anton Forsbury, Edmonton Oilers' cut guy uh, that they put on waivers, and Carolina grabbed Forsbury, and they put uh, Nedeljkovic on waivers the same day. And the reasoning behind it being that uh, if they lost Nedeljkovic on waivers, at least they had a number three guy in the bank. And when Nadalkovich, in fact, cleared waivers, they immediately moved on from Anton Forsberg and put him back on waivers. And Winnipeg claimed absolutely screwed over the Oilers for a single one-day insurance policy for Carolina Hurricanes to have that third, other third goalie available in case they lost their third goalie. And it was just a smart, uh, sort of totally cold-blooded move. By, Although it wouldn't
0: uh, look so smart now, Bruce, if someone had claimed... Nadal, Nedel- well, Nadalkovic,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, and he had moved on to another team. Well, uh, as a, you know, then it suddenly maybe it doesn't turn out the way it does. But maybe maybe they're riding I'm, Mrazek into the playoffs, and he's doing great. I don't know.
1: I'm singling out the the actual claim of Forsberg being the being the being the move. The, the, the decision to to waive Nadalkovich, they they thought highly of him and they thought someone would claim him. And many suggested that Edmonton should claim Nadalkovich to fill the hole that Carolina just created by uh, taking Forsbury. So Edmonton was one of the places he was very likely to get claimed, but Edmonton did not make that move to claim Nadalkovich. Can you imagine? And uh, he wound up with a 9.32 save percentage and uh, he is now playing in the... Uh, uh, in the playoffs, is Carolina's number one goalie a guy who cleared waivers earlier this year? So there's just no telling at the goaltending position. It's uh, uh, famously known as voodoo.
0: <sighs> so, knowing all that, Bruce, let's mm-hmm. let's get to the big question: mm-hmm. Miko Koskinen, keep, hold, or fold? This is where <sighs> this is where we no. Just saying, with all that in- uncertainty, right. it, it does come down to these. Right, binary decisions—is that the right word? Yeah. Like it's black mm-hmm. or white. You, you gotta, you gotta make the call as the as the GM, right? It's not like mm-hmm. well it, they gotta decide. So let's put ourselves. You're the guy. You're the man. Okay. Keep hold or fold, Bruce. Uh,
1: I'm gonna go with fold, and this is a player Ooh. that I like, but I think it's time. They got to change up. Uh, they got to change up on the goaltending front. And folding doesn't necessarily mean buying him out. That is one option. Looking for a trade partner is another, uh, almost certainly with salary retention or taking a bad salary back the other way. But I I don't mind the idea of trading a a goalie who you don't want to use to a team that's looking for a backup goalie that maybe has a uh, um, half-decent but overpaid forward that they're willing to swap out from. And at least you're you're overpaying your money on a position where you can use the player. If you know if you get a let's call him a four and a half million dollar contract back on a, on a forward with a year left, and the guy's a two million dollar player, well, you can use a two million dollar forward. Whereas as discussed earlier, if you are not confident in your goalie, you don't want him. You know, every night you put him out there, he's your number one. And you can't bury them in the lineup the same way. So maybe there's a deal on that type of thing to be to be worked out, where you take an overpaid but useful forward. And then, you know, and I, I'm not even saying Koskinen won't bounce back next year. I'm just saying that his um, standing in Edmonton has fallen to the point that I think they they will be looking to move on from him.
0: You no, know, that's an interesting trade prospect um, that you're bringing up. Obviously, I think it's it's going to be. I don't see trading Koskinen eating half the salary doing it for a team, because mm-hmm. they can get a backup goalie for a million dollars, which is who is as good a bet next year as Miko Koskinen. So why would you pay two and a half million to have Miko Koskinen? So if you're just going to have a straight, can you just eat Miko Koskinen and we'll take half the salary, you take half the salary? You're gonna the owners would have to sweeten that. I think it's not so. So. In that trade, you're right. There might be that possibility of a trade where um, a team's going to lose a goalie to Seattle, or for whatever reason, they want a they want a backup goalie, and it, he might make sense for them if they have a contract that they want to get rid of, a one year deal. So that's that's a good thought. And be, because you raised that good thought, I'm going to go with hold. Let's see mm-hmm. if that let's see if that okay. trade's there.
1: Right. It, okay. Maybe
0: you want to adjust your like let's if that trade is there. Then yeah, jump on that, because I, things are kind of um, um, chaotic right now in the NHL goalie market. Because Seattle's coming, they're going to take two goalies. We don't know who they are. Teams with two good goalies probably going to be looking to make a move. Like Carolina has Nedeljkovic and Mrazik. Mrazik is a UFA. I guess they can they can sign Mrazik after the U, the uh, UFA period and get around this problem that way. So that's one that's one issue. That's one way they could solve it. But there, there, it looks like there might be some good goalies coming free. Allmark is a good good young goalie. Yeah, I like the idea of going with a goalie in in his twenties right now with Mike Smith. Um, the the idea of having two goalies who are getting older, like Koskinen's what thirty uh, three. Let 31, me just see. Thirty
1: one anyway. He's he's in his uh, he's in his early thirties for sure.
0: So like a goalie in his twenties. Paired with Mike Smith, Mike, you know, just going forward, you're not having Mike Smith. Maybe you get lucky and you have another great year out of Mike Smith, but you, you don't know that. Miko Koskinen's 32 right now. He'll be 33 in July.
1: Right, so
0: okay. um, heading in with two older goalies that, uh, with your eye on the future, I don't think that's a great hockey bet to make. I would prefer that they go with a younger goalie. There's the possibility a, a good younger goalie will become pop free, kind of like in the Cam, Cam Talbot mode, maybe. If nothing else, this summer. So um, that there's another reason. The volatility—that's the word I was looking for. There's volatility in the in the goalie market. There's some players that are going to come mm-hmm. free. There's some enticing free agents. There's an opportunity here, and there isn't always an opportunity to get a good goalie every off season. Right. Next next year, they might be have two guys who didn't cut it. And not really a good opportunity where they don't have to pay dearly for another goalie. So I'm liking the idea of uh, holding and seeing what you can get uh, for Koskinen in a trade. You can make a trade, then you jump on it and you go for that other goalie in a second. Um, And um, Bruce, but I will say this. I'm in your, probably in your camp. You know, I'm leaning towards your camp and they fold. Mm -hmm. If they can't make a trade and they just have to do the buyout. Uh, I'm also leaning in that direction, even with all of those uncertainties around it. I just, it's time, I, I, you get the sense it's time to move on, and they got lucky on the Mike Smith bet this year. Let's deal with Smith right Mm -hmm. now. Let's uh, move this along. Mike Smith, keep, hold, or fold?
1: I think he's going to be a keep. I think they're going to, to, uh, I think they value, uh, um, What he brings, uh, he did bounce back with a good reason, a good season after a very uh, uh, strong off-season of training. By all accounts, Uh, heard very good uh, uh, verbal about Smith from Kevin Woodley, uh, the goalie guru. Who's you know he's not just verbal, he's he's stats, advanced stats, uh, technical. He's everything about goalies. That guy's a very very uh, uh, high level. Uh, source of information on goalies Uh, Smith bounced back with uh, an outstanding campaign Uh, you know 923 save percentage ranked him among the the top handful in the league Uh, 231 goals against average same thing and that save percentage I've made this point before but I will again it's the reactive part of the goaltending position but there's more to goaltending than that with the certain right players, and Mike Smith is one of them who will, um, uh, you know, can change the defensive structure of a team with his uh, with his puck handling, puck retrieval, and puck handling skills. His ability to go out and field pucks before they reach the corner, in front of the goal line, before they get into the no-go zone, and uh, then to to distribute it and save the defenseman from you know heavy forechecking from taking more of a physical pounding and, you know, be the, you know, sort of the third defenseman to use an older term about uh, puck handling goalies. Uh, I personally do think that has a lot of value. And I think the Oilers feel the same way. I think that's one of the reasons that Tippett consistently went to Smith much more often than than Koskinen this year was that uh, the team structure had to change when Koskinen came in net. So more and more he just played in the back-to-backs and Smith was, if he was available and reasonably fresh, he was the choice. And and that has a part of it. And I also think they, they like his his uh, his cockiness and his, you know, leadership. I, they, you know, to me, the Oilers were, uh, uh, um, uh, they, they looked like a more confident team when Mike Smith was in that. And I mean, part of that came obviously from Smith himself, but I think some of it uh, did um, uh, impact the team to some degree as well. And
0: Here's that the... is not
1: analytical, but <laughs> it's, ob- it's observational, but I've observed it for two years now.
0: So if a goalie had the season that Mike Smith just had and he was in his 20s, there'd be just mm-hmm. absolute or early 30s. Absolutely yeah. no question, you'd be bringing them back, right? So this is a this is what we call after a, a bidding war. After a bidding war, this is so this is what we call ageism. But Bruce, mm-hmm. in hockey, if you're not no. uh, ageist, you're not your your eye is not on the ball because players' mm-hmm. uh, performance decreases with age, often dramatically, often rapidly. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing, there's this weird thing though, Bruce, with these goal, some of these older goalies. You know, generally speaking. The older goalies, when they fall off a cliff, they're they're done, it's over. But there's been a number, there's a handful of goalies uh, who who not only have one good season past the age of 39. So this is Mike Smith's 39-year-old season coming up. He'll be 39 at the start of the season. So this is how I'm rating these goalies. So they're 39-year-old and over season. The goalies who tend to have one good year at that age tend to have a number of them. It's it's this weird thing and it's very difficult to predict because it's not necessarily the best goalie who ever lived. Some of them are. Mm-hmm. Some of them are in that category of the Hall of Fame goalies who are the best goalies of all time. Plont but some and of them plock, Plont and hash Hashik But some of them who have had good years, George Hainsworth, uh forty Okay, let's just let's, let's go through them. So there's Jock Plot, who mm-hmm. over the age of had one, two, three, four, uh, Five really good seasons after the age of 39. Five seasons where he was one of the best goalies in the NHL. There's Johnny Bauer, who wasn't a great goalie as a younger man, uh, who was in the minors as a younger player for a long time. And he had three, four great seasons after the age of 39. There's Gump Worsley, who had some of two of his best years at ages 39 and 42. Uh, there's there's Haynesworth, who's a Hall of Fame goalie, who had great years at 40, 41, and 42. There's Ed Belfour, who's kind of more of a comparable, I think, for Mike Smith. Yeah. Still going strong at 40 and 41. There's Dwayne Rolison, Uh yeah. Another strong comparison for Mike yeah. Smith, who at Agreed. ages 39 and 40 was going strong. And then there's Hasek, who had great years at 40, 41, and 42. That's it. That's the list. Mm-hmm. It's not right. a big list. It's a small... But does, Mike's, does Mike Smith stand out glaringly as someone who doesn't belong on that list? is there a chance he could be on that list and have good seasons at 39, 40, 41, maybe even 42? I, I, it's a non-zero chance. First, I would put it at 20%. Like having another good year, I'm going to say that's at like 50, 60%. Mm-hmm. At at having two good years, it's more like a third, 30%. But, the, but these are fairly, when it comes to what with, with goalies and you're making bets on goalies and what you're going to pay for Mike Smith, this is kind of a, it's actually kind of an enticing bet to make. Uh, that's how I see it. So I'm definitely in the keep camp.
1: Yeah, well, I like Rollison and Belfour as comparables because of the edge that they played with and, they're, you know, they're just their their whole sort of demeanor in, in, in the pipes. And Rollison, they owner signed him to a three-year extension in 06, which, as I recall, took him from his age 36 through 39 seasons. Then they moved on from him He was still an effective goalie in 2012, was it? That uh, uh, maybe it was 2011 with Tampa Bay uh, when they lost. Yeah, 2011. They lost to Boston, won nothing in Game Seven, if I've got my uh, got my memory intact. And uh, uh, he had a very strong season. By then, he would have been 41 years of age. Uh, I don't like any kind of talk. I read somewhere that they were talking about a two-year deal for Smith, and I anything, one at a time is uh, is the thing. And there's no way of telling that he'll have a great uh, summer of training this year as he did last summer when clearly his future was on the line. But, I mean, at his age, his future is on the line all the time, and he does have a tremendous amount of drive. So, uh I would be surprised if he had, you know, any kind of a lapse in that in that respect. But uh, uh, I think the Oilers think that he, he's their man in the in the short term. So they, I think I think they will make him an offer. And uh, one of the inevitable laws of uh, hockey contracts, the value contracts always seem to expire right away, and the boat anchor contracts always seem to have years of term remaining, and if you want to look at the Oilers' gold uh, uh, situation right now, you have an example of each of those things. You know, if you had your druthers, it would be the Koskinen impact that was expiring this summer and would solve itself, but that ain't the case. Peter Shirelli's last gift to Edmonton Oilers and their fans was that... Uh, contract that he signed that had the blessing of Oilers senior management uh followed by surely being fired the very next day. So you tell me how that works.
0: Carter Hart Bruce.
1: Mhm. Oh, did he years. ever have a horrible horrible <laughs> no good very bad season. Yeah,
0: after just a young goalie's rookie season 917 save percentage as a second year player 914 and this year in 27 games. Eight seven seven save percentage point eight seven seven and his co- coach was bad mouthing him. Um, that wasn't good. Yeah, I, there there is going to be I think an interesting goalie who, who's going to look good to all of us who will pop free, and the orders mm-hmm. probably are going to be able to get at a decent price. So b- that's why I really f- just I just think the, mar- the the market's bad. It's the orders are in tough. With having to buy out a goalie this year, if that's the way they go, right? But there, there, there's that blessing in disguise. That this is a, this is a good market, I think, for a goalie. There's going to be a goalie that that uh, looks when they sign him. We're all going to think, hey, that that goalie has a lot of promise. That looks like a good bet that the Oilers are making. So there, it's not total bad luck because I remember some summers' Bruce, where they just. It just seems like who are they Who could they possibly get where the Oilers have needed a goalie? And it just there's no one out there. You think, oh, that's it. That's going to he's going to come to the orders this is going to fall their way, and they're going to get a good player. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm incorrect. Last summer it looked like there was a lot of goalies too, and then one by one by one, right, they went to the other teams.
1: First day they were mostly gone.
0: Yeah, and then the orders ended up with Mike Smith. Lo and behold. Good. We all lost, many of us, many lost their minds. Some were mm-hmm. kind of, Ugh. And then you were kind of, well, uh, maybe.
1: I... I wasn't in love with Mike Smith, but I didn't. I didn't mind the contract. I thought they did a pretty good job in sort of bringing down his, his, his um, both his base salary and his bonus structure significantly. So they reduced the you know the goaltending budget, and uh, you know no, I don't think anybody anybody who claims they saw Mike Smith you know in the top six or seven of the league and 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 all the key goaltending stats is probably not being entirely truthful but uh, uh, you know he's been a number one goalie for a long time and even his previous couple of years in Calgary and Edmonton he was a 1A like it wasn't like they were resurrecting a guy who you know hadn't uh, you know had had fallen out of favor with his teams along the way now on the uh, flip side of that I'll give you this scary sounding stat which is that Mike Smith has been the loser of his last nine playoff games, so there's that. Chris G,
0: Chris Dreger's save percentage in the playoffs this year in three games is point eight seven seven. Yeah, so he
1: was playing yeah. the bolts.
0: Smith played well. He was playing the bolts, mm-hmm. but Mike Smith played pretty well in these playoffs. He was the second best goalie in the series, though. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: yep. But he, he nonetheless, it's not like they lost because of goaltending. That's not. That's,
1: That's not they lost really, because of Winnipeg's goaltending. They lost. You of, can't be pointing the finger. I don't think at their own goaltending. There's a whole lot of other f- fingers that can be pointed before you get down to that one. Yeah.
0: Alrighty. Should we leave it there? Have we covered the uh, covered the ground. Any final thoughts on?
1: Uh well, uh, Bruce, yeah. I
0: just want to. I do want to say something. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on the two year deal. Like, much better to have a, an overpay on the one year deal than to go two years. I just think, like, you know, come up with a number that, you know, Smith's happy with this year and just go with the one year deal. Like, I would rather overpay on one than lock in for two on a goalie, you know, that can't perform. We saw what happened with Kyle Turris this year, right? That, that, oh, and with Bosco. And, and with cost Tourist tur- this year with 1.65 I think over two years I mean they got now they gotta send it into the miners uh, this coming year and they and they're gonna have a 500 four hundred thousand cap penalty on uh, Kyle Touris this year so way better idea to
1: well they short. do they do have an NHL uh, experienced netminder under contract for one more year in Alex Stalock. And I think he's he's pretty well placed as a, as an organizational number three. Uh, other than the fact that he's not necessarily the guy you want to be using in the AHL because they have a couple of or three actually developmental goalies in the system, and Elia Canavella of uh, Stuart Skinner and Olivier Rodrigue and Stalock. So you kind of have a little bit of uh, 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 you know you, you, you got a crowded crease situation there. Uh, Stalock is—he's uh, got 150 NHL games, and he is 32 years of 33 years of age. He'll be 34 beginning of next season, so he's not exactly young. Uh, I guess one school of thought is that uh, they allow Koskinen and um, Stalock to battle it out for the number two position, with one option being, you know, sending Koskinen down and uh, burying a million of his contract. But using the rest of his contract as, as what I said right up front, as a, as a um, uh, a place to to bury, it's like a carbon sink, a place to bury future salary cap to pay for the uh, uh, the upcoming raises for Nurse and pulmonary and and doing it that way. But there's there's uh, uh, it's tricky. The orders capologist is really going to need to be on the ball um, this summer and. Uh, uh, the Euler's famous analytics department that was called out by Pierre McGuire today uh, or yesterday maybe was uh, um, uh, it's it sure would be nice to see evidence that there's uh, uh, that uh, they work through some of you know some of the mathematics of all this, frankly.
0: does cost can Koskinen be sent to the miners? Uh, let me just see. No movement clause, no trade clause. He does, he has a no trade clause, but not no. a player submits a 15 team okay, no trade fine. list according to cap friendly. So he can be sent to the minors, it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, if he bombs, you have Staylock or Stuart Skinner, um, who had a hell of a year in the AHL. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, by December, you might think, oh, well, it's time. Let's bring up Stuart Skinner. He's killing it again in the minors. And, uh, he's earned a recall. So, yeah, um, I like the idea of Stuart Skinner playing another full season in the AHL. And um, mm-hmm. already, Bruce, I think that we have covered the train and we're, we're kind of in general agreement on, uh, on how to
1: proceed. Yeah, one-year deals. Are, uh, the one thing that I'm concerned about is if you go out and you sign a, de- you know, you go out and sign a Jacob Markstrom, uh, let alone a Sergei Bobrovsky, to a long-term, big-money deal, that you're locking the door on your own goaltending prospects, of which there are three that have decent um, possible futures. So if you get a one-year goalie and you see what happens with Skinner and Konovalov and and Rodrigue. And maybe it's a situation, it sure would be different for the Oilers to actually develop their own goalie within the system, wouldn't it, though?
0: Yeah. Hey, just one little more piece of news. There was talk about Zach Hyman. There's been ongoing talk in Edmonton about Zach Hyman. Bob Stoffer of Oilers now floated the idea of Zach Hyman at six years, six million. Who? Yeah, that was my reaction. He's 29 years old. I just, I just had f- visions of David Clarkson floating in my head. Now Hyman, yeah. I, Hyman's he's been more consistent. He's been more consistently good than David Clarkson. But oh god, he's, he's 29 40, years old,
1: 40 point scorer. You know, is this, yeah. I guess, I guess if you prorate it, he's he's a 50, 50 plus point scorer, but. And, He's a very good player, good glue player. Six times six.
0: How about we develop our own Zach Hyman? You know, how about that? Let's, yeah. how about going that route instead of, I just, man, mm-hmm. that, that was frightening to hear that. And uh, as a possibility, it did not, it did not encourage me. I'm just so leery of signing players into like, you know, you know, Zach Hyman in his 20s, late 20s, probably a hell of a player, is a hell of a player. League league out he's league outscorer.
1: He's plus yeah. double digits for four years in a row. He's been, you know, solid in plus 15, 20 range. Yeah. But, uh, which is, you know, but he's playing with some pretty nice mates in, uh, in uh, Toronto. And he would here, I mean, he would solve some problems, but he sure that salary would create some different problems.
0: On the other hand, Bruce here, I've been talking about we need our Kunitz. We need our Kunitz, Mm -hmm. right?
1: And Kunitz was
0: was about that age, right, when he went to Pittsburgh and probably Mm -hmm. at a similar percentage of the cap uh, when he went to Pittsburgh. So there you have it. So, um, you know, my initial reaction was like, "Um, oh, no. But then, you know, uh, to be consistent, I have been asking exactly for this player. So I'll have to think about it. Well, we that I just was wondering what your your initial thought was.
1: Like the player, yeah. That six by six kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit, especially the first six. You know, six years. It's all yeah. But maybe that's what it's going to take to to for whoever gets this guy on on a free agency might have to go deep. And at a certain point, you got to say, well, how is is he really going to be worth that when he's thirty five years old in uh, you know five years time? No, he will not be.
0: All right. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for talking today.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.